on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I think it's all about bringing everybody with you. I don't want to get up to the mountain by myself. I want to be surrounded by my entire team who are making six figures and winning at life and they're healthy and their marriages are healthy and their kids are healthy and they have the houses and jobs and they can dream. I don't want to just dream by myself. I want everyone to be able to dream. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. Sounds good. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Derek Lyons on the King stage. My brother. Fellow Missourian brother. How are you? (laughs) Dude, I'm awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me on this. This Like when you first sent me an email asking if I wanted to be on this, I was like looking around, I'm like, Derek Lyons, like this Derek Lyons or is there another one? So (laughs) dude, yeah, I'm excited to be on with you. Yeah, dude. I appreciate that humility. And I think in the entrepreneur world, I mean, there's always the arrogant ones that we all know about, but then there's this huge community of just real dudes. Some have hit larger revenue markers than others, but what I have found is that there's a bunch of just really real guys just trying to make it happen. And that's what we're trying to do here. So I just appreciate you giving the time. Yeah, but what kind of business do you have, my man? Yeah, so I own Garage Door Guy out of Stratford, Missouri, and it's just what it sounds. We do garage door repairs, installations, and maintenance, and I lead a team of six people, and that's what we do every day. I love it, man. And Stratford, Missouri is not too far from Springfield, and mm-hmm. I played a lot of basketball there. My youth, little yeah. Springfield Rockets, who I played against. <laughs> yes. You remember the Rockets, yeah, actually- the AU team? <laughs> I've heard about them. Okay. I don't, I've moved here oh, that's probably right. six, six and a half years. No, it's been actually over seven now, I think. Where uh, are you so from again? I'm originally from Georgia, but I moved here from Arizona. Okay. Yeah. I remember you telling yep. me that. Okay. So let's talk about bigger picture. You've been building for a while. I got a little bit of your history pre-business. We'll get into that a little bit here in a minute, but I want to know what's the why, what drives you at this level, even after mm-hmm. being successful, right? Mm-hmm. What's the bigger picture? Man, there's like this just inside drive in me that's just not okay with being just complacent, with being normal. I don't know if it's just a vision that I have in my mind, but there's just something that I could be sitting down and I feel like I got to be moving. I got to be doing something. And I, I often wonder if it's just like this chip on my shoulder that I've got something to prove. But man, I just, I do. I've just got an inward drive that I'm not okay with being who I was yesterday, being who I was a year ago. I want to constantly be growing and becoming better for those around me. And uh, yeah, I wish I had a more eloquent answer, but man, the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, it's just like this inward just fuel that, yeah. Doesn't go out. No, and I've had times of burnout. I've had times where I might have a season of feeling low energy, but man, I'm still getting out there every single day. And you're still hustling, but uh, yeah. Yeah, obviously there, it becomes a game really 
at that point, right? It's no longer about survival or even just a revenue number. It's really more of a game is what I'm hearing you say. And you're a winner. You want to play the game to win. You're constantly looking forward. What would you say to, you said you've always been like that, but what, how has that grown for you as you've gone from six to seven figures? What has that changed? Has it been more clear? Do you have any different thoughts now at this level than you did before? It's been a really tough thing because I grew up in a family that was definitely lower than middle class. Yeah, I'd probably put them lower class and they were all blue collar, hard workers. My dad was a truck driver and did 60, 60, 80 hour weeks. My stepdad, he worked when I was a when I was a teenager, he was a manager at a grocery store working 60, 70 hours. And then, man, he'd get off of there and he'd go straight to night school to get his degree in wow. IT. Wow. And so I grew up around these guys that were more blue collar and hands in the dirt and just working hard. And I think, honestly, that is that mentality is what made me successful in business at first. It got me up to that million dollar because I was in the business every day. I was Man, I was in trucks with the techs. I was getting my hands dirty. I was on installs with them. And uh, that's what got me there. But then I came to a realization of I can't keep I can't keep doing this. Like my company's suffering because I'm actually in the truck every day working in the field with them. And so actually that's been the most difficult part is retraining my brain that I've got to start doing something different. Like I yeah. I can't, not that I can't, period, but I can know. I can't any longer be the guy in the truck with my hands in the field. I've now got to bring the energy to the team and I've got to lead the team to the next level and let them carry out that vision. And so it's switched from being dependent on me to now it's dependent upon them and it's dependent upon me bringing that energy to them. So, yeah, I love that perspective of really support. I want to know in that transition, there's a, a shift that you've described where it become it was originally about you. We call this the warrior stage where really all you can focus on is maybe you and the guy to your left and right. Maybe you're in the battle, you're sweating, you're bleeding. All you can focus on is literally today. But at some point, yeah. like you said, you actually hinder the growth because you don't step away or pop out um, to be able to see the whole entire kingdom. Obviously, now we're talking about the yeah. king mindset and just being able to see the yep. whole playing field. And so <clears throat> in that, did you experience, or I'm leading on to, I'm sure some of the way that people are feeling right now, they're listening. Did you feel that by leaving the trade, the actual battlefield that you mm-hmm. were like leaving your guys stranded, that you were sending mm-hmm. them off to battle by themselves. And if you did oh, feel man. that way, how did you overcome that? Man, I can't, I honestly can't say that ever went away because there are days I still find myself showing up at the office in the warehouse and I'll want to go out there and rub shoulders with them because I'm afraid that if I don't, they're going to think I'm just this, I'm the guy running the company and I'm out golfing all the time and all this kind of stuff. And I can't say that ever 100% has gone away, but I just control it in my thoughts more. And no, I think mostly I've come to know that my team doesn't think that it's an unrealistic. It's like a voice in my head that's telling me that it's not real. So honestly, I'd say talking with my team has helped a lot because they've told me what they thought I do and all this kind of stuff. And, and also when I get down in the weeds of it, when I'm golfing, when I'm running on the track and stuff like that, I'm working. Usually I'm usually answering emails and running texts and calls and stuff like that and still working on the business even while I'm golfing. Yeah. And so, hopefully golfing with somebody that's going to bring you some business. Yeah, networking. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we do. Yeah. Okay, so that transition, like you said, maybe it never goes away, but the communication, right, around, and maybe, and then I'll just give you one more piece here. As you were telling you, you were talking about 
this to your team, asking their opinions. For me, it's been like when I share the vision of, okay, here's the machine. Here are all the pieces. If you own this piece and you own that piece and I own this piece, then together, you don't have to worry about my piece. I don't have to worry about your piece, but together we're all leaning on each other and it gets the result that we're all looking for. Then that it, it, there's a freedom there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. One last question here before we move on. I'm digging on you here because I think this is just a super applicable to a lot of listeners who want to go to the next level, but that are just in their own yeah. way. Yep. How did you facilitate that communication with your team? Mm. Was it a team dinner? Is it an everyday thing in a huddle? Is it both? Give us some thoughts there. Yeah, it's definitely, it's all the above. And if I could, just one little side piece here. A lot of people, like you were saying, they get stuck in that. And they get stuck in that. I meet a lot of blue collar guys that are in service service industries that stay in the truck. And the way I see it in my life, the pain of staying in the truck became so great that I had to change. I'm missing my daughter's swim competitions. My wife's stressed out. I'm stressed out. My health is going underway. And so the pain became so great to me that I was just like, man, I got to do something different. Because you're, um, in the, because you're in the truck and running the business. It's not in the truck yeah. that was doing it. It's the fact that you got... You're, you're playing both sides of the field. Yeah, it was everything. It was everything with the team, rubbing shoulders with them and talking with them. But also, I think it was back in March, I hired a guy named Kevin and we introed him into becoming our general manager. But really, he brought new life into it to where like we'd be talking and he'd be like, why are you doing that? You don't need to be doing that. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So why are you doing that? And it's like, yeah. Because if I don't, then, and he's like, nobody thinks that, man. There's nobody here that thinks that. And so like hearing that, hearing that truth from him, but also hearing it from my wife and from other people, it, it, it dawned on me that, no, I'm the problem. That's so big, dude. Yeah. I, <clears throat> Everybody needs a Kevin. hundred percent, man. Absolutely. I've been, man, I've been so fortunate. We've got another, we've got a girl named Liz that works on our team. She's been with me for three or four years and we race her up to be a general, like an interim general manager. And so she runs like all the office stuff. She knows the ins and outs of everything. The girl's yeah. been with us for so long. She knows everything about the company, everything about the business, even industry knowledge, some things she knows more than me about. And so with her there, and then now we've got Kevin at the helm, man, it, it's awesome. Yeah, it's I ain't even going to lie. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. The gal on your team, I have affectionately dubbed that position, the key holder, because I can't, I, in fact, I don't want the keys. I'm not, you yep. can't trust me with the keys here. 100%. I need you to keep the keys. I want you to label yep. the keys. I want you to keep them in a safe place. Like I, I can't be trusted. <laughs> yep. I know their keys to, I know they're mine. I know that I'm giving them to you, please. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. It's good stuff, man. Okay. Tell us, let's go back a little bit. How'd you get started? Yep. Was it this business? Did you get a business before? I know a little mm -hmm. bit about your history, but give us the transition. Yeah, no. So back in 2015, my wife, I, we were living in Arizona and I was actually working at a garage door company there. And my wife got a job here in Springfield. So we moved here for that. I started working for a company and man, I was there for about three months and it was just terrible management the worst I've ever worked in. I was there for about three months. I was working, man, probably 60 plus hours a week, working nights, doing garage door installs and things like that. And after about three months, I had a seizure on a Sunday morning. Wow. Now, backstory here, I had seizures as a kid. They went okay. away for seven years, started having them again as a teenager, then they went away. And then I had this one back in 2015. In Missouri, once you have a seizure, you can't drive for six months. 
lost my job. And anyways, thankfully, Convoy of Hope, which is a local nonprofit here in Springfield, they were kind enough to give me some part-time work because they were about a mile from our house. So I was working there part-time. Anyways, I did my six months and then my wife was like, what are you going to do? I said, well, garage is all I know, but I don't know. I don't really want to go back to working in that. She was like, we should start your own company. And I was like, eh, I don't know. She's like, babe, you're always talking about business. You've even got like a notebook of business plans. And I was like, yeah, I just dreaming about you. I like coming up with the ideas. I don't know that I want a business, but she kept pushing me. But then what happened is people knew I could drive again. And so friends knew I knew how to fix garage doors. And so they were like, hey, man, can you come look at my garage door? And so I was like, all right. And it just became one of those things. So many people were asking me. I was like, fine. It's like, all right, God. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, all right, God, I'll start a business. So literally we had $1,500 cash. And so I found a rust bucket old AT&T service truck. It was a 1990 F-350. I paid a thousand bucks for it. And then I took $500 and bought some inventory and I started a company. And so it was super grassroots. I ran it out of that truck and ran it out of our little house for about a year and just cash driven everything. I would advertise on Craigslist. I was telling all my friends and just, you know, oh yeah, hustling, man. I was making videos on Facebook. You name it. I was doing it. If there was a free avenue to do it, I was doing it. So that was how it began. That's incredible. I think that especially in the service space where you can just get a truck, I've even seen guys start in a car. My good buddy of mine (laughs) started a security company. He came, I was one of his first clients. He came to my business establishment and installed my security company from the back of his like 1987 hatchback. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What is this? Uh, He's like, it's what I got. got. Good for you. I like you. Love it. Even more now. Exactly. How can you not respect that? That's good stuff. Okay. So I want to know, especially early on, maybe in that first year Mm -hmm. or two, what was a good decision that you made that? can resonate mm-hmm. with the listeners now that they can take away as a note, go implement in their business. In the first year. Yeah. First year or two, um, four, seven figures. Yeah. I think just building it. Like I wasn't interested in, I wasn't interested in staying small. I wasn't interested in just having that same truck. I had a bigger vision in my mind. Like I had a vision of new trucks. I had a vision of uniforms. I had a vision of all these things. And I wasn't satisfied with just run it in that truck and those uniforms is man, as soon as I could, I went out and actually, I think within the first year I had a full uniform for myself. Like I went to Unifirst and was like, Hey, I want uniforms. And they were like, how many people are in your company? I was like, Oh, it's just me. (laughs) And they go, (laughs) and they literally were like, yeah, we like, we need more people to do a contract with you. (laughs) And I was like, okay. I said, I can come pick it just come whatever I need to do, but I want uniforms. And so they actually worked with me too. Uh, So I went and got uniforms from them. And then I went and got magnets for the truck. And then eventually once that truck broke down, I went and got a van and got lettering on it. And, but I kept building. It was like, all right, I got this, but I want more. I want more. And so I just kept chasing after that. So I don't know that there was one key decision that I can think back to that was like, man, I'm glad I made that decision, but I'm just, I'm thankful. I just continued building it on that vision and just wasn't complacent with it. Yeah. The vision that you had, obviously as a visionary, you've even described that in your personality a little bit where that's going to maybe flow a little bit more naturally to you. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that, obviously. What would you say was like the simple things that you did to keep that vision in front of you? Did you have Mm. a vision board? Did you write down goals? What were you doing Mm. to kind of, did you have time in the truck where you were like, yeah, dreaming about it yeah. what, what did it look like yeah so real quick i just thought of, i did think of something one of the things i'm glad i was networking i got involved yeah. in a local business networking group 
And I'll be honest with you, I attribute a lot of the success of my company to those networking groups because there's yep. still people to this day from that first networking group that I talk to and I see and do business yeah. for. But yeah, um, I just, on that note, real quick, I rarely share mm -hmm. this. The, I just set up a guy for the Gavin the Kings Mastermind two days ago that I met 11 years ago when I was in a single unit edible arrangements guy yep. and I was going to a BNI event. <laughs> And at That's that awesome. time, I don't even know what business he had. Maybe he was just the roofer, but now he's got this huge roofing and solar and all this fun stuff. And we got reconnected awesome. and that was 11 years ago. So anyway, awesome. I, I totally relate to that. Yeah. Relationships, man, relationships and business are it. And I hear people in business all the time. They're like, I don't like people. I'm like, well, you don't need to be in business if you don't like people. Seriously. Um, but to, to answer your question, as far as the dreaming and when, how did I do that? I'd love to sit here and say, man, I had this beautiful vision board and all this stuff. Honestly, it was just thinking in a truck and a notepad is all it was. I had a notepad full and I still have it. I have a notepad full of stuff that I wrote down. Like I'd just be sitting there thinking, I'm like, all right, man, we, man, I want iPad. I want Apple computers in the office. It was just like the, just dreaming up stuff and it just got me fired up. And so I'd write it down. Yeah. That's really as simple as it was. And uh, I'd get fired up about it and then I'd want to do it. And my biggest problem is trying to do too much at once. I get the vision. I get excited about it. I'm like, I want to do it all right now. Right now. Let's go in a hundred <laughs> yep. directions right now. Yep. Yep. That's good stuff, man. I think that a lot of people relate to that. The writing it down, man, is so powerful. And I mm -hmm. don't actually think a lot of people relate to that. Thinking in mm -hmm. the truck, I looked at property actually that we just built our beautiful home on. I looked at the, I literally looked Dude, at the property. Dude, that's a beautiful place, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, but man. I, I was mowing. I was mowing over there, looking over here and doing what you just said. But the next level awesome. really is writing it down. Yeah, I think there's just, some people call it manifesting. I don't care what you call it. There's just this applicable thing that when you write it down, man, it's almost because you wrote it down, wrote it down your mind's working on it. And in the back of your mind, without you knowing about it, your mind's working on how to get there. And yep. uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had an idea and later I'm like, oh my God, that was an amazing idea. What was it? And yeah, I can't even remember it. Yep. So I really try. My biggest problem is I've got them scattered over 15,000 notepads everywhere and I've got them in notes in my phone. And I've usually- I have like, your oh, solution. that idea? You need a remarkable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> remarkable yeah uh, they're a sponsor for this uh, this episode <laughs> just kidding that's exactly where i was going that's awesome yeah yeah in all seriousness i'm just like you i got cool. books but like notebooks like oh, one shelf down actually sorry it's like books and books and books are just i was like i wrote that down somewhere let me find it yeah 100 percent, man that's me i want to i want to just hit this all the way home for the listener because we hear about writing our goals down and having a vision board or doing these things and I think to the high performing driver, right? Not the dreamer, the high performing driver that's in both of us and the guy that's listening or the gal that's listening. We think, oh, I don't have time for that. Or that just sounds a little cheesy. Let me just, yep. but it's when we slow down enough. For me, it yep. was four situations. Like I had to mow the grass. So it mm -hmm. gave me opportunity to think and dream about the property mm -hmm. or you, you had to drive to the next job. And so you were thinking about this stuff anyway. <clears throat> Whether it's the time or then, like you said, connecting the thought with then pen and paper, I take notes just on a regular phone call and not even notes like yeah. I'm going to reference them later. I'm just writing the stuff down that I'm saying that they're saying, yeah. and there is power in that. And yeah. I think the dreamer and then the driver then come together in that moment. Yeah. Would you add anything? No, to that? absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought, there's so many people that when they hear ideas that they have something in mind that argues with it, they're like, well, yeah, that's just some, that's just some stupid idea, whatever. But like, I'm pretty open-minded to an extent, obviously I've got morals and values and all that, but 
man, I'll always give something a thought. Even when it comes to politics, like I do not consider myself tied down to very strongly to anything. I'm always like, huh, okay, that's interesting. You know, let's dig into that. And I think in, in what we're talking about, man, you got to dig into things and there's no harm. It's almost, we act as if there's a harm in just checking something out. There's no harm in checking something out and doing some research. And who knows, you might come to the end of it and be like, yeah, that's not for me. But you might come to the end for it and say, okay, I need to do that. And it could change your life. And so I think we need to do a better job of being more open and analytical of things and actually being able to be, I don't know, just open to things and consider them. Just consider them. Because I can, I'll sit down. I used to be, I'll be honest with you. I used to be staunch Republican. And what challenged me is just sitting down and listening to people. Totally. I forced myself to just sit down and listen to people. And I was like, huh, man, that's a good point. I've never even taken the time to consider that. So anyways. Yeah, I think to your point, politically or really. Yeah, it's just, you just, first off, you identify that the other person is a human. They're a person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think that, and and it doesn't mean that I have to expose what it is that I believe, or if we want to have a conversation about it, fine. Or that I need to even come off of my beliefs, whatever they are. Yep. But I should at least be an adult enough to see you as a human. (laughs) And respect yeah. you and hear you. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's that we're so far away from business, but but not really. Because if you yeah. have this oh, same principle in business, oh yeah, dude. You start well, seeing I, people for how they who they are. I'm in a bunch of like my industry's garage Facebook pages, like garage door Facebook pages. And sure. man, I can't tell you how many times that's they'll have a fifty million dollar garage door company. And they're literally just trying to help elevate the industry and giving ideas. And there's so many guys that'll just jump on there and be like, ah, oh, that doesn't work. All this. Yeah, I actually might want to hmm. listen to him. I was having this, uh, this talk with a guy. It may have been last week. And he was like, I went to this industry conference of some sorts. I, I, he may have been an HVAC guy. Actually, that's what it was. Yeah, he's HVAC. And he's <clears throat> thinking he's hot stuff. And he sits down at, the con- at one of the <laughs> lunch tables and this guy asked him, Hey, how's it going? And they start getting into his business. And he's like, yeah, I got five trucks and this, that, and the other, and just went on and on yep. about his business. And later the guy never, he never asked the guy, never said mm. anything. Later he found out that guy had 150 trucks. Oh yeah. Yep. And just felt foot insert douchebag yeah. type of feeling. And, oh, yeah. and we get that way sometimes. Yeah, we do. Each one of us, as well as then, man, how I've can I there. aspire? <laughs> yeah. How can I aspire to be the ginormous guy in the room that says nothing? Yeah, absolutely. Or that helps. That's really what it is. Yeah. That uh, I think to for me personally, the more success I've had and the older I've gotten, the more, the better I am at listening to people. It's almost like the older you get, the more wise you get, you realize how little you actually know, but you also realize it's less about airing your opinions. And yeah, I've had a lot of those times where, you know, somebody will be bragging about something. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm not going to say anything, but thumbs up. Yep. And really not even thumbs up of, oh, I see you. That's so cute. It's really, it is actually like, dude, keep mm-hmm. it, keep going. See you. Absolutely. That's good. Yep. It's not facetious at all. And all right, mm-hmm. we got to flip the coin. I got to know a bad decision that you made. Uh, we got to get to the nitty gritty, oh, the dirty, the bad story. Yes. Give it to me. <laughs> I got so many. Dude, honestly, one, one really I don't know. I don't even, I haven't, I don't even know that I've come to the conclusion that it was a bad decision, but at the end of last year, we had a guy that had been working with us for about three, three and a half years and man, performance just kept just going down and we were having issues. And so come first of the year, I said, Hey man, listen, we got to get you on a performance plan, all this kind of stuff. And so we did that, no improvement. And so finally it came down to me having to tell him, Hey, we're going to have to let you go, which he was like one of the beginning guys in the company. And so 
anyway, it was a very difficult conversation to have. And man, I gave him, I said, Hey, I'm going to give you a month. I know you got three kids at home, so I'm not just going to cut you off. I'm going to give you a month to get your affairs in order and all this kind of stuff. And so the worst part was his last day or the week that was his last week, our other main guy came down with COVID and then he had complications from COVID and was never able to come back. And so in a month, I lost two of our main guys and I only had three technicians at the time. Yeah. And so I lost over half my workforce in them. And then that is what created such a rocky first four months of the company. Cause then I had to jump in a truck and I was like the only guy in a truck for three or four months this year. But looking back, there were some things I would have done differently. I might've put more energy into coaching him a little bit more. It's one of those things where it's at the same time, I felt like I was between a rock and a hard place because like there were issues. We were having customers calling in with issues and I we can't have that. But I also had this mentality. I had this mentality back then that, oh, I can do it. Like, you know, I can yeah. do it better than you. And so whenever there was a problem, you. I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, we'll just fire them. We don't need them. And I had that outlook on it, the, the entire company, like anybody working there. So if you're not for me, I don't need you. Like I can do that. And I really just came down to realizing after that, it was a terrible four months of the year. But I learned out of that, oh man, I need people. Like I need you. Yeah, I do. I do need you to perform. I need right. you to produce and things like that. Yes. Yeah. But I need you. And so I became very clear in communicating with my people that not only do I need you, but what you do here is appreciated. And I want you. I want you here. That's good. Also, outside of that, I've made tons of decisions with finances and stuff that I shouldn't have. When I was in the beginning stages of the business, we decided to move into a warehouse. I was running out of my house. We decided to move it into a warehouse so we could start ordering in bulk and get lower pricing on our product and everything. We did that. When we did that, we started ordering a lot more from our suppliers, which meant bigger bills. I'm not a finance guy and I'm better than I was six years ago. But back then I put it on credit card and I'd pay it off each month. I still don't know how it happened. I really don't. But my wife was like, I want to come help you. You're so busy. You're working all hours of the day and night. I want to come help. She's a finance like wizard. So I'll never forget the moment she calls me and she said, Hey, what's this $20,000 on this credit card? And I'm like, huh? What are you talking about? We don't have $20,000 on a credit card. She's like, no, I've got this statement in front of me. The credit card's maxed out. It's you've got $20,000 on this credit card. And I still don't know how it happened, but it happened. (laughs) And I had $20,000 on a credit card. And back then I was probably only doing two to 300,000 a year. So 20,000 was a, was a big deal. Yeah. And then that same week, we got a call on Wednesday from one of our main suppliers and was like, hey, we've got a shipment for you coming out, but we can't deliver it because you're you have past due invoices on your account. So they're withholding product from me. And I was like, I can't do anything without that product. So if you want to get paid, I need that product. But they weren't going to ship it. Nope. And so it was literally like a we might have to we might have to close the doors here. Yeah. I, you I, know, if we don't have product. <laughs> But we winded up actually craziest thing is my wife's idea. There was a church that came to us that wanted, they wanted like this full view glass garage door in their kids area. And so we're like, yeah, let's, we'll do that. And so we went out and gave them a bid and it was like, I want to say it was like four or five grand back then. And my wife was like, why don't we just give it to them? And I was like, you, you know, you're we the got one running the finances now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bringing that, bringing a biblical aspect to it. She's like, yeah, there's so many times in the Bible where people gave all they had. It was all they had left and they gave it and God blessed it. And I was yeah. like, oh man, that's good. And I said, I'm like, 
we ain't got nothing else left is it and so i said yeah let's do it and so we did we gave it to the church and i'll never forget that same week we did that we needed a specific amount to pay off a bill so we could get some supplies i can't remember the amount but i went out and bid a job that week and the bid was the exact amount we needed to pay that job or pay that supplier and we got the job and got the check for it but anyways that was a long story to just say that's so good i've made some bad financial decisions which is why i no longer handle finances yeah we got to identify what we're good at and give away the rest yeah 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 i love you you passed over it a little bit even though maybe finance wasn't the best for you and there's other pieces of the business that the listener right now is like oh i'm not very good at that or maybe it's finance for them or whatever i love the faithfulness of not only just your spouse your wife in this scenario that's let me come oh, yeah. alongside you let me support you that's been a story for you from the beginning you oh know, yeah she's the one that pushed you out and so Always. that's an incredible part of the story and then just to know that the lord has been faithful to you yep. even in that moment oh, yeah. down to the penny. <laughs> oh yeah and yeah. i love that i love that yep okay I'm going to switch the angle of questions here. We're going to go speed round. Ooh, okay. This one's the, by far the most difficult. That's why I put it at the first. So I want to know if you dwindle yep. the entire business down into mm-hmm. one trackable metric. If you can only track one thing mm-hmm. forever and ever, what would it be? Company culture. I know it's not a number. How would you track that? Yeah, I know it's not a number. Uh, and most people look at numbers, but I look at it as like employee satisfaction and performance. When we are hiring the right people, And we finally dwindled down like what we're looking for in personality and all these things. When we are hiring the right people, when we are taking care of them, when we're giving them, we're giving them new trucks, we're giving them tools and we're giving them everything they need to succeed. But also when we're making it a fun place to come to work and they know we care about them and we know they care about us. I just have this belief that everything else, not that it's just this magic potion where everything else is taken care of and we don't have to worry about anything else. I'm not saying that, but they will be, they will be your biggest fans for the company. Yeah. What do they call them? Intern, they're your internal clients. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's true, man. Our people, the people, we have an incredible team right now and uh, they're out finding people to come work. They're like, man, I got a buddy. He would be awesome here and he's needing this. And I know he'd be taken care of. And right. And it, yeah, it just, they become ambassadors. So I know it's not a number, but that's just always been a biggie for me. Good. Derek, what book would you recommend for a six-figure business owner? Ooh, Systemology. Ooh, okay. What's your takeaway from that? Most people uh, get stuck at scaling, right? They keep hitting the same wall, bouncing back and forth, and they don't know how to get past it. And I have yet to hear a story where systems weren't the answer. If you can build the right systems for your business, there it'll scale for you. And so Systemology is a book that will literally create, it won't create the systems for you. You got to create the systems, but it, be, it provides a very easy framework for creating the systems. And I truly believe that if you implement them, then you're going to be able to take a month off. Do you know that from personal experience? <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. That's incredible. Obviously, as we continue to get to know each other, I want to hear more about that, but we'll list that book in the show notes for sure. What's your next question here? What's your thoughts on intentionally networking? You've already mentioned that a little bit and or masterminding with other entrepreneurs. I don't think it's even a question of should you. I think it's literally the oxygen Uh, because you you hear it all the time as a business owner that owning a business is a lonely journey and it is. It's super lonely. 
because very few people understand, but also very few people can talk with you about it. And getting into a group where there's maybe a few people that are at that next plateau you want to get to and keep on up. But they also become like when you're trying to make a decision and you're like, man, I don't know how to do this. And you you just talk to them and say, hey, this is what I'm facing. What would you guys recommend? And they're going to have answers. Um, So I don't even think it's a question of should you. I think it's oxygen, honestly. And it has been for me. I there is no doubt I wouldn't be where I am today. And I don't think it's any different than reading a book, reading books and listening to podcasts and also networking like you're talking about, like what you do with your gathering the kings. I think it's so essential and it's all the same. You're gleaning and learning from people that have been there and that are outside of your perspective. Yeah, 100 percent. Love that. Okay, last question. If you lost it all, Derek, what would you do? To be 100% honest with you, I almost lost it all this last year, so I know exactly what I'd do. I'd build it all back, but I know now, not shortcuts, but I see now a quicker road to where I got. And so if I had to do it all over again, I would do similar, do what I'm similar to what I'm doing, but it would be a lot quicker and a lot healthier. Yeah. I love the last word that you use there, healthier, obviously mm-hmm. with systems, with the way that you see people, that you're treating people, the way you're building people. I think that you, all the things that you've given to us in the show really mm-hmm. emulate that that word mm-hmm. healthy. And I would venture to say that you would probably agree that that came from a place of you as a business owner mm-hmm. getting healthy, not yeah. like in your body, but yes, I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. The mindset, getting around other entrepreneurs like you mm-hmm. were just talking about, obviously being around your wife, who's super encouraging, clearly. All those things that made you healthy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I listen to Craig Rochelle a ton and he talks about being a healthy leader and leading like you can't lead your people to be healthy. If you are not healthy, you can't lead your people to a place that you have not been. And so you've got to keep exposing yourself uh, to new things, but also you've got to keep building yourself so that you can take your people there. Cause if you think that leading and owning your business is just about you going to the top. Then honestly, in my opinion, you're doing it completely wrong. Because for me, I think it's all about bringing everybody with you. I don't want to get up to the mountain by myself. I want to be surrounded by my entire team who are making six figures and winning at life and they're healthy and their marriages are healthy and their kids are healthy and they have the houses and jobs and they can dream. I don't want to just dream by myself. I want everyone to be able to dream. Yep. Yeah, it's the, the community aspect, but mm-hmm. it's also the driver because it's like, hey, guys, come on, let's go. Yep. I think we can all relate to that as well. Derek, how can the listener connect with you? They want to get to know you better. Maybe they're in Missouri and they need a garage guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my company is on Facebook as My Garage Door Guy, or we're all over Google. So you can type in Garage Door Guy and it should pop up out of Stratford, Missouri. Facebook, find me under Derek Lyons, it's D-E-R-E-K-L-Y-O-N-S. And then on Instagram, it's the underscore garage door guy is what my Instagram is on. And then honestly, if if anyone out there ever wants to chat or whatever, I'll even give you my cell phone number, I don't mind. But it's 623-262-4715. I'll be glad to chat with anybody. And especially if anybody out there knows more than me, please call me because I'd love to chat with you too. So. That's good. That's a good plug. I think that's well-deserving. Yeah. You've been incredible. Thanks just for being open about the up and the down. Yep. And um, I look forward to continue the relationship myself, selfishly, because I, I think there's a lot of benefit there for both of us. So anyway, thank you for being here. Great. Blessings upon your family, your business, your team. Thanks for being here. Thanks, brother. 
Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.